Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to episode number eight of the Been There, Done That podcast. Eight episodes in. It's kind of crazy. We're, we've been at it for two months now. And I got to say, it's uh, it's pretty easy. Pretty easy gig when your favorite team wins the Super Bowl and is turning into a dynasty. Pretty makes it pretty enjoyable to do this, I got to say. But, you know, as we know, the NFL season has come to an end. And we are here actually now on the first day of March. And, you know, we're, we're getting ready to, to transition into new seasons, both literally and within the sports world. You know, as we get going here in into spring, and as we know, when we get to March, for a lot of people, it's the favorite time of year with March Madness. And that is coming up in the next couple of weeks, which is super exciting. As we know, we have, it's actually next week, we're going to have conference tournaments starting, which are always fun. And then Selection Sunday is a week and a half of, away, which is super exciting. And we, as we know, that means two weeks. We're only two weeks away now from what I think is really the best tournament. Just the best bracket time of the year in, in March Madness. So really excited for that. Looking forward to that. And we'll obviously we'll have some more content when that time gets here. Um, but another thing that we have starting later this month is the MLB season. Right, The very end of March, we're going to have MLB opening day. And so with that, you know, we're going to start talking a little bit more about that as well. Okay, And so here's, here's a few things we're going to go over in today's episode. All right, we're gonna. I'm gonna give you a few updates on some things of of just my own athletic abilities and my own personal athletic career, I guess you could call it, that have been that have been going on and just some funny stuff that's gonna happen in the last few weeks. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna share a little bit about that, and then I'm gonna give you five off season moves that I'd like to see the Chiefs make. Okay, and you know I can't forget. You know we're only a few weeks removed. You know how could I forget the reigning champs? You know. And as we are now approaching the offseason of the NFL, where trades are going to start happening, free agents are going to start signing, and you know, usually it takes one big signing or one big trade to kind of get the ball rolling on all of that. And so it really could be any day now, you know. But once that happens, we are, it's going to, we'll, we'll kind of break down what's going on. But as for right now, before it's actually, you know, before it starts, I'm going to give you kind of what I'd like to see the Chiefs do here in the next couple months before they start their run it back tour come next August or September. Okay. And then, uh, like I said, baseball starting later this month and I am going to give you my predictions for the MLB division winners. All right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go so deep to give you my, you know, one through five of every division, all 30 teams, maybe, maybe in a, a couple weeks when we get a little closer to, to opening day potentially. But for now, I'm just going to give you, the six teams that I think are going to win their divisions this year, and a few reasons why, and a few of the other honorable mentions, teams that still have potential to be wild card teams, things like that. So we'll we'll open up the MLB discussion for the first time on the Been There Done That podcast. And then a few other plugs of uh, that I want to mention, a few other recommendations that I would say of something else that I'm I've been involved in over the last few weeks and I'll, I'll i'll leave it there i'll leave it a mystery and hang around to the end if you want to hear what that the recommendation is but it's a fun one it's a good one and so yeah stick around and and then of course we're gonna we're gonna finish it up like we always do with the office quote of the week and so yeah that is what is gonna happen over the next few minutes over the, this next episode okay so first i want to start with what i was what i mentioned before about Things that are going on in my own athletic career with my own abilities, okay? A few different things. Number one, something I've been doing as it's actually, you know, kind of get to call it part of my job. If I've been playing basketball with some of, my, some of the high schoolers that I, I get to work with and that, that come to K-Life, and some juniors and seniors for the most part, and we... We go to a local church with a basketball gym, and we just, you know, on weekends, usually around 7 o'clock on a, on a Friday or Saturday, sometimes maybe a Sunday night, we'll go play basketball for a couple hours. And I got to say, it has been super fun, super life-giving, really, just energizing to be able to, to get back and, and play some basketball, you know, get up and down, get some cardio. That's my favorite way to get cardio and stay in shape is to just play basketball, right? And because... You know, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I think a lot of people would agree. Just running by itself, just running just to run, 
I don't know. It's not everybody's favorite. I got to, you know, I should be careful. I know my mom, mom, if you're listening, I know you love running. And so I don't want to take it away from everybody. If you, if you love it, you do it more power to you. But me personally, I am not the biggest fan of just running just to run. I, I, things go way better for me when I just, when I have a ball in my hand and, um, you know, basketball would fall into that category, right? So yeah, I've been been uh, getting back, get some cardio, playing some basketball with the boys, and it's been fun. And I gotta, I gotta be honest. I, I, I'm trying to think about how the best way to say this without, you know, sounding arrogant, you know, sounding cocky. But it really is fun to just cook them, you know, and go in and and you know, not do any talking, just go in and leave. Let my let my game do the talking. I gotta say, it is fun. It's pretty fun. But you know, it, it, the funny thing about it. Is that one? It, you know, my favorite thing to do in basketball—it's of course—it's the three ball. That's that's the world we live in now. That's the 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 environment of, of basketball that we live in today. And if you can shoot the three ball, you can play with it. Like if you if you're a good shooter, you can probably keep up with with most most you know pickup games that you're going to be involved in. And so, I love me the three ball. And I'm usually I'm, I'm a three hunter. I'm looking to get my looking to get my shot off. No doubt about it. But one thing that happens whenever I start knocking him down is like the other team usually it's like, okay, man, we probably should let him shoot so much because he's going to make him, which is true. I'll make him. I'm not going to lie to you. I'll make him. And so what happens is, you know, they're going to come out on me and, and guard me and try to not let me shoot. And so what I do, me being the 26-year-old playing against the high schoolers, I'm actually going to go inside playing back to the basket. The old man game, if you will, is what it's referred to nowadays is the, uh, the back to the basket, just kind of back him down. Just the big body, you know, post him up. And it it's funny because, it, you know, these, these these guys are awesome. I, I love playing with them, but it's it's pretty clear just in the way they've grown up playing basketball, no one's ever done that. Like, I don't think there's not a whole lot of back-to-the-basket players anymore. And so it's fun to, to kind of be there and experience them getting to, you know, experience that to see that uh, that type of play style which is not something they've seen very often because of obviously in the the world of basketball that we live in now that just doesn't happen very often so I get to go down and teach them a thing or two and it's funny being on the other side of it you know growing up I would a lot of times play with older people whether it was at the Y or different community centers wherever and I was always the young one I was always the high school the college kid playing with older guys you know but now even here just six years four, five, six, seven years after that, I'm like, I'm the old one. You know, I'm 26 years old. These guys are in high school. They're in way better shape than I am. You know, they can, they can run and get up and down the court better than I can. Cause I'm not, I'm not in very good shape, but that doesn't mean I can't still be the one to kind of dictate the pace of the game, which is fun, you know? And so I'm going to hold on to that and hopefully it does help me get back in shape a little bit. Um, but I just had to share that. I thought it was fun. And then the other one, uh, just a fun story about involving my own sports that I had to share, which I thought was hilarious. I was recently talking to, I was playing catch with a third grader here in town. And I was, you know, there was at one point I had the ball in my hand. We were kind of talking and, and I was doing this little ball trick that I do where I just kind of, I, I spin it with my fingers and I kind of bounce it around off my arm. It's just a little trick that I learned back in high school. And, you know, the third grade, he was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. How do you do that? And so I was kind of showing him how I do it, and I was and I was explaining like when I learned it and like how I learned it. And I was saying like you know, back when I was in high school, I didn't really play a whole lot. I was kind of a bench warmer, and so I had a whole lot of time on the bench to to learn how to do cool tricks like this with the ball. And you know, one of those like kind of sarcastically joking, making fun of myself in a lighthearted way. And then I was like, man, it's pretty cool. You 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 sit the bench and you get to you get to learn how to do cool stuff like this. So maybe sometimes it's not the worst thing in the world. If if you don't play, if you're not good enough to play, you get to learn cool tricks like this. And this little third grader, my man, he was like, wow, I don't ever want to play. I want to sit on the bench like you. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I mean, I should be careful before I encourage kids to want to go sit on the bench to learn how to do the cool ball trick, you know. So if you're listening to this. And if you're a young athlete out there, don't don't aspire to be a bench warmer, okay? There, let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with it. I did a lot of it, and I turned out fine. You know, look at me. I turned out great. But at the end of the day, of course, you want to be the best you can be. And so, obviously, pursue that as much as you can. But, you know, if one thing leads to another, you find yourself on the bench looking for something to do. Find yourself a baseball and try to 
do some some fun ball tricks with it. I don't know. Make make some make the best out of every situation you have. You know, that's what I say. Whether you're on the bench or whether you're in the field, whatever you're doing, make the, make the most of it, right? Because you don't know how long it's going to last. Um, so there's my my life advice to to all you young athletes out there if you're listening. So I just had to share that too because I thought that was a fun story. And it, it made me chuckle. I was like, oh, gosh, he's going to want to go sit on the bench now so he can learn the ball trick. That's, yikes, my bad, you know. So anyway, I had to start with that. It was a fun little story. And, you know, from there, I would like to now move into the Chiefs offseason. And what I, you know, a few offseason moves that I would really like to see the Chiefs make and um, pursue here in the, in the coming months. And so... Now, before I jump into the specifics of that, I do want to preface with this that I think the Chiefs, I mean, this is not exactly rocket science to, to know that the Chiefs are in a great spot. You know, I've mentioned it before. Well, obviously, they just won the Super Bowl. I mean, the ultimate goal, they've already achieved it. Now, of course, the question becomes for a team now with two in the last four years, how do we continue to sustain this? You know, and and so that's what the Chiefs are. We're in that, zone, we're in that mode now of what do we do now? Like, how do we continue what we're doing to to stay relevant and stay the class of the NFL for the next 10 years? You know, as long as Patrick Mahomes is here, how do we stay the class of the NFL? And so, that being said, the Chiefs are in a great spot. And all of the moves that I have in mind are things that I don't think any of these make or break the Chiefs. All right? I think that's pretty important to, to start with. Of Like, if these things do or they don't happen, that's it's not going to like incredibly impact it's not going to sway it one way or the other like oh chiefs are locked in to win the super bowl again or oh man if this doesn't happen the chiefs are going to miss the playoffs like everyone seems to lo- like to predict bar scott looking at you um but i do think these things are, are, are you know like it's almost like laying bricks down it's like it's helping continue to build the foundation of a winning culture in kansas city and i think these are things that will benefit the chiefs if they can make them happen here in this offseason Okay, so that being said, that in mind, number one, all right, and I, and I also do have these listed in order of the, of how I think they should approach them. Like this should be first on their priorities, second on the list, you know, so on and so forth. So number one on the list, I have Orlando Brown Jr. Okay, you got to get him back. All right. Now I I know there is a little bit of controversy. There are some people out there who maybe don't love Orlando Brown Jr. But here here's the deal. Uh, I think we ha- we have a similar conversation about Harrison Butker, or we had had a similar sim- similar conversation about Harrison Butker early on, when he was kind of injured and 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 shaky and having some str- some issues during the year during this season. But the the thing is, like we, we were talking about Butker, it's like what what other free agent kicker out there is available that is better than than Harrison Butker, right? We we saw that from Matt Amendola from. The other guy, I still can't remember his name here a month later, still can't remember his name. And we saw those guys were just not very good, unfortunately. But the reality is even Harrison Butker, even being, you know, slightly injured, is still a much better option for the Chiefs than any other free agent kicker you're gonna find out there. And the reality is the same can be said about Orlando Brown Jr. Alright. You know, put it to the side for a second that Orlando Brown Jr. actually turned into a, a really good, like he had a very strong end to the season, right? He became, I think you can make the argument, a top five to seven left tackle in the in the NFL, right? At the beginning of the year, I was, you know, he's probably, he was middle of the pack at best and he wasn't doing great. But once he settled down and and the offense got got rolling and got flowing, I think he, he figured things out and, you know, like I said, turned into it probably around the five to seven range of best left tackles in the NFL. And if you go around, you know, if you look around where you, the NFL analysts have, they'll list like their top hundred free agents of of the off season. Orlando Brown Jr. is like in the top three to five of every single one of those lists. I mean, and he's far and away the best left tackle on the free agent market. So the reality is, if the Chiefs want to upgrade at left tackle, it's not going to happen by a free agent signing. I can tell you that. The only way the Chiefs upgrade at left tackle is if they trade, you know, go, go get Trent Williams or go get Laramie Tunzel, okay, somebody like that. 
And the like, if you do that, the, the, like the Chiefs are going to have to give up a lot. They're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to. I don't, I'm not sure what exactly that would entail. I'm sure at multiple first round picks for guys like that. No, Chiefs definitely they have draft capital and they have cap room. All right, so it's not the biggest issue. But at the end of the day, Orlando Brown Jr. Again, if you just look at the back half of the the season and, and the production he gave, I mean. I, I really like the idea of keeping him around, especially now that he knows the offense. He's got two years in it. Um, on top of that, we, any report you read, any, anyone you talk to will say that Mahomes specifically, like not, I mean, a lot of the guys on the team, but specifically Mahomes has a really good relationship with him. Like they're neighbors or something, or they're really good friends. And that's really important. I, I mean, I think there's something to that where it's like, yeah, a guy comes in to be your left tackle and then, you know, Oh, contractually, I'm obligated to protect the quarterback. Yeah, I get that. And that's what I'm paid to do, yada, yada, yada. But I think there might be something else to, you know, th- there's like a real affinity. There's a real a bond there between the left tackle and the quarterback where I don't want to call him Michael Orr, but there's I feel like there's something similar going on there of like, that's his boy, you know? Mahomes is, is Orlando Brown's boy. And it's like, no, I can't. I can't let my boy get, I can't let my boy get sacked. I can't let somebody else get to him. And, you know, I, I think that's, that, that's a benefit of having a, that type of camaraderie with your left tackle and your quarterback. And it's like, man, I'm not going to, for for Orlando Brown Jr.'s case, it's like, man, I'm, I'm not going to let someone get to him. And and we saw that, especially as the season went on, as Mahomes got injured a little bit there in the postseason, he stepped his game up even more. And he, it's almost like he took it personal, you know, that Michael Jordan meme. Like, and I took that personally. You know, I think I think Orlando Brown did. I think he took it personally. And he got better. And so I say all that to say that, man, I, I think the Chiefs' best option at left tackle right now is a guy that they have there right now. And so he's a free agent, and the Chiefs have the option to put the franchise tag on him if they want, um, which if you're not familiar with the franchise tag, I don't know all the exact language of it, but essentially it, you know, it, it's kind of a, a one-year tag you can place on a player if you're trying to work out a long-term deal but you just can't quite come to an agreement you have the option to franchise tag a player and so that that guarantees them you know they get a good amount of money for this upcoming season you know it would be somewhere in the ballpark of 20 million of this upcoming season and you'd guarantee he'd be on the team and you can you you give yourself another year to continue to work on you know contract negotiations and so i mean i believe he got that last year and so he he actually was franchise tagged a year ago and so I think things right now, from everything I've heard, all the reports that I've heard, it looks like it's heading back in that direction again, where they're most likely going to give him the franchise tag again. And hopefully by this time next year, after the Chiefs have won another Super Bowl, you know, he will, you know, will have a long-term contract figured out and negotiated so he can be the, you know, the left tackle for the next three to five years. And, you know, that's best case scenario, but I do believe at least looking for specifically the 2023 season, the the upcoming season, I would love to have Orlando Brown Jr. as the left tackle of the Chiefs. Um, And so find a way to get him back. You know, you'd love to get a long-term deal done, but, you know, if, if, if you're not able to make that happen, then at least get the franchise tag on him and, and get him back for next year and see what happens. Because at the end of the day, this is the guy. This is the number one, in, the number one piece in, in terms of protecting your half billion dollar investment, Patrick Mahomes. Right? What do we see this year from Patrick Mahomes? Right? As long as he stays upright, if he has time to throw, it doesn't matter who he throws to. He can throw to special teams players. It doesn't matter if he's if he's upright and he has time to throw. He's going to rip apart defenses. It's just what he does. And so that's why I, I'm in the I'm in the boat here when it comes to offensive linemen. I'm I'm okay with overpaying. Like if you're getting good production, like and if they're doing a good job of protecting Patrick Mahomes, it's okay. I'm okay with overpaying in this. You know, protect the investment. You know, it, it's worth it for the long term. Keep him on his feet and let him do what he does, and that's going to give you the best chance to win. And that's what we saw this year. So, my first move: bring back OBJ, not the receiver OBJ, Orlando Brown Jr. Bring him back. Okay, number two. This is a. This is one. There's still kind of some gray area. There's some some more things that have to fall in place. But Keenan Allen is a name that's been floating around quite a bit, as in for from a team uh, from the Chargers. 
obviously division rival and a team that is in some serious issues with the cap at the moment as where they went all in last offseason to try to beat the Chiefs. And, you know, they got close, but they, you know, they still didn't beat the Chiefs. Um, anyway, the, like I said, the Chargers are in some serious cap issues right now. And there has been, there have been rumors of potentially cutting Keenan Allen. And I got to tell you, I think Keenan Allen would fit into the Chiefs offense just beautifully. I would absolutely love to see Keenan Allen in in the Chiefs uniform. Okay, not because the, the the star power or whatever. I don't care so much about that. Of like, he's a pretty solid receiver. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but the reality is, he is he along with Cooper Cup are probably the best two best route runners in the NFL. And he's truly a zone killer. And that's what you know. Those guys who have the ability to just get open on on any given play and just create that type of space, you know, you put that together with Andy Reid's play calling and, and the, the vision of Mahomes, I mean, look out. I mean, look out. You know, and I think Keenan Allen, that route running ability he has, if he's got the ability to stay healthy with, with the Chiefs training staff, which is, I mean, it is night and day compared to the Chargers training staff, who they seem to have injuries before the season even starts with their main players every single year. You know, I don't know what's going on over there, but the Chiefs have a long track record of keeping important guys he- like healthy when they need to be healthy. Like, y- y- I mean, and that's just the reality. And so I'm excited. Number one, side note, I'm excited to see Kadarius Tony with with a an off season regiment of of getting caught up with the Chiefs organization and and their training staff to see if he's able to overcome that next year and his in- injury bug. But Keenan Allen too, same thing. Like, man, if he were able to be here for an offseason and and get right with the, with the training staff, like I said, he, his ability, his skill set, I think, is just a match made in heaven that, for the Chiefs. And I'm sure he would also find some some joy in killing the Chargers two more times a year. Uh, you know, if the Chargers were to cut him to save some some cap space, I bet he would love that to turn around and say, "All right, you're gonna you're gonna cut me. Well, I'm gonna cut you back." <laughs> you know, and. And so Keenan Allen, I think his market is going to be somewhere in the 18 to 20 million range. I think that's that's probably a solid deal. Like if, if it's for a couple of years, maybe three year deal, 20 million a year. That's, you know, again, I think that's slightly overpaying for what he's really worth. But at the end of the day, once again, I just that fit in the offense where for someone that is, I think would work so well with Mahomes and be a great, you know, 1A, 1B with Travis Kelsey. Man, that I think that would be lethal, and I just think that would, be, you know, as good as the Chiefs' offense was this year, I think it would only get better. And so, if the Chargers do decide to cut Keenan Allen, I am all on that board, on that train of go get him, go get Keenan Allen. Okay, so that is item number two in the Chiefs' off-season wishes. Number three is Frank Clark. Okay, man, this one was interesting, and I. Me personally, I'm also on team. Get him back, <laughs> okay? He, you know, so here's the thing about Frank Clark. We know he has not had the most productive regular seasons, right? He only had five sacks last year, which the true, it's not, you know, sacks aren't the end-all be-all, although you'd like to see a little bit higher numbers. But at the end of the day, he was a big piece in what was the, the second leading sack team in the NFL, right? And then... When you look beyond that, look beyond the numbers and the statistics. I mean, this is a guy that, in the post-game interview or like of the Super Bowl, when players were talking about what they like, just even unprompted, guys were you know Chris Jones and other players on the defense were all just like, man, I, I hope we can find a way to get Frank Clark back. You know, unprompted, un- they weren't asked about it. They just brought up on their own accord to say, hey, we need to get Frank Clark back because he's that type of leader and that type of personality one of those guys you love playing with and you hate playing against you know i think a lot of good sports dynasties you know teams have that on their team i, I think a draymond green is a perfect example of like draymond green is never going to fill up the stat sheet like he's never he's not he's not going to be the 35 a night scorer he's not going to put with the flashy threes like steph curry or anything like that but draymond green is going to give you great defense and a great vocal team leader and a guy that's going to get under the skin of the other team and Frank Clark gives you exactly that. And I think, you know, any championship team, it, you know, 
they're in a much better spot if they have a player like that. And Frank Clark f- plays that role so well, just the veteran presence of somebody who's been there and and he has experience. And he not only like we, we talked about the regular season, but in the postseason, he absolutely steps his game up. You know, and I think part of it is he's a veteran. He he's getting up there. He's getting a little older, and so I think there's some maybe something too. He he's reserved a little bit in the regular season, letting it build up to what he knows really matters. Because it's like, well, obviously we're going to be in the playoffs. We got Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. Of course we're going to be there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of coast a little bit through the regular season, and then we're gonna get to the postseason, and I'm gonna take over. I'm gonna I'm gonna really become Frank the Shark Clark. You know. Um, and so that's why I, I really like the idea of finding a way to bring him back. Uh, the issue here is, is his current contract. He's currently making, I believe it's somewhere around $20 million, uh, per year. And his cap hit is somewhere in the range of $28 million this year. Okay. Now, with everything I just said, that is a pretty steep contract for that type of player. And so what I would love the Chiefs to be able to do is find a way to restructure a little bit and, and find a way to maybe move the money around to where you can pay a little bit more later on down the road. And I, I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs exactly of how the contract negotiations work, but I would love if they could find a way to, to structure it to where he's not going to make as much. He'll, t- he'll be okay with a slight pay cut, you know, um, but he's still that guy for the Chiefs. And I think that's best case scenario because it, when you hear him talk after any post game, I mean th- those post game, you know, interviews he does with James Palmer and, and whoever else, I mean you can hear it in his voice like he, he's a winner. This guy he he cares about winning, and you know, and so I think we're gonna have the the opportunity to see how how much he really believes in that. They come this off season of like, you know, is he gonna be willing to take a pay cut, or even just a restructured deal, to where. It's really going to help set the team up, you know. Not to say he's not going to get paid. I think he's still making the twelve to fourteen range per year, which don't get me. I mean, it's still a lot of money, um, you know. And so for him, it's like, man, maybe I, I could go to another team. I could really max out what I'm able to get. I can stay around the twenty to twenty-five million per year mark with some other team. But I'm just there's no way that like there's no realistic chance that that's going to happen on a, on a Super Bowl caliber team you know and so we're, i think we'll find that out this offseason me personally i would love to have him back um just what he gives the team especially come playoff time is like not something you can just go to the street and find you know and so i'm all on team frank here i want to get him back and i hope they're able to make that happen okay chiefs offseason wish number four all right this one's a little different there are this this is not a I want this player or this group to or, or this position to be filled here. It's kind of the opposite, where that right now there is a lot of talk of potentially Jalen Ramsey um, a, a, as a corner could come in. Like he he's a kind of he's been in some trade rumors in the NFL recently, and for me, I am very much saying no. We don't need Jalen Ramsey, <laughs> and we don't need to go pay a, a, a big name corner like that a ton of money. When look at what we've got there right now, you know, we have three, I guess they're not rookies now, three second year players who just had great rookie seasons, you know, not like along alongside Legereus Sneed, who also might be due for a contract or extension at the, or this off season, potentially off season, next off season as well, which that's not on my list. But again, side note, I would love, they got to resign Sneed um, because he's awesome, but with those guys that just had great rookie years, you know, and got better and better as the year went on, what do you need? You know, why would we need a, a corner like that to come in? Somebody, you know, nothing against Jalen Ramsey. It's just part of who he is. It's not not to say it's good or bad, but he's very much a big personality guy, you know, very much like, look at me, like, I'm going to get my money, okay? And that that's not me condemning that at all. That's, I'm absolutely like if 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 you know you can make that money, that's capitalism. That's the free marketplace. Go get what you're worth. I'm nothing wrong with that. But in terms of you know th- just the championship, you know, what's what's the right word? I don't know. The the DNA, the the pedigree, I guess of of what this team is about. I mean, like the the rookies are 
building this chemistry with each other right now that is really that's worked really well and they just won a Super Bowl with it. And I you know, like we said they were all rookies last year. I think they're only going to be getting better within the next couple of years. And based on the way they played, I'm not sure the Chiefs need a huge upgrade at, at corner, honestly. And so all that to say, man, like I just I hope the Chiefs personally, I hope they don't go and and break the bank to to sign a guy like Jalen Ramsey who is going to come and he's going to require a lot of money and he there's a potential of the Marcus Peters situation where it's like yeah he's very talented but he he may not be the best for the locker room you know again I, I want to be careful I don't know too much about him but I, I would hate for someone to come in and disrupt the progression of the rookies um, especially based on the, the projection that they're moving that they're headed right now because um, and, and, I, I wouldn't mess with that based on the, their rookie year I'm like man we got a good thing building right now. And so let's not mess with it. Okay. That's, that's, so that's where I'm at. And I'm like, man, we, I don't think we need Jalen Ramsey. I really don't. And so that's where I'm at on that. I don't know about the other, any other corners in the league um, who are free agents, but I say just, man, we don't, I don't know if that's where we need to allocate all the money, you know? So, but that's just me. I don't know. And then lastly, this one here, fifth on my list is to re-sign Juju. Okay, this is another guy. I am again. I'm kind of. I'm. I'm okay with slightly overpaying him. Okay, we're we're talking again in the 13 to 15 range of what he's likely going to be worth on the market. And Juju is. He's another one of those guys. I think he's he's built a pretty good friendship with Patrick Mahomes. And he's his style of play is is very conducive to the Chiefs' offense. Right, he's a zone killer. He's a good route runner. He's he's a phys, he's a big physical guy. And he's he's very good at getting open. We saw that in the Super Bowl. He's he's good at finding the the the, the soft spot in the zone, and a, and a good compliment to Travis Kelsey. Okay, and so Juju, as we saw this year when he was healthy, man, he was a really good addition. Um, and he's he's not going to be he's not a Devonte Adams. He's not a even his first breakout season in 2018, right? He's probably not going to be that. He's not going to be a Tyree Kill. He's not going to replace him like that. But he's a solid receiver that fits really well within the Chiefs system, what they want to do. And and I'm all about that. I'm all about guys that fit well into the, the system of Andy Reid coming from, I mean, the obviously, passes coming from Mahomes. I'm all about that. And I think Juju does that really well. And so, again, he's one of those guys I'm okay with slightly overpaying um, to, to get him to stick around. And now a, a veteran guy that knows the offense that's been in the system now that has won a Super Bowl with the team. You know, I think there's value to that, and so, yeah, I'd like to see, I'd like to see Juju come back, um, but we shall see. Okay, and then one other honorable mention that I'd like to throw in for the Chiefs, their right man right now, DeAndre Hopkins, is another big name that's been thrown around of like a potential trade and then maybe a re-signed kind of guy because he's not super happy with his current contract and. Of course, why would you want to be playing in Arizona? I don't blame him. But here's the thing about DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, great talent. Unbelievable talent. He makes some of the some catches. You're like, there's no way anybody should be able to catch that ball that he just caught. Okay. He is really like the go up over the top and moss everybody on the defense type of player. Unbelievable talent. Um, the thing about DeAndre Hopkins, he will be somewhat expensive. Right? There's, you know, so if... If that's feel like if that's a luxury the Chiefs feel like they need or could really help the offense, then yeah, go for it. But I think we got to be aware he's going to be very expensive. And I just look at the the move the Chiefs made last year with trading away Tyreek Hill. Of like, man, he no even we know the value Tyreek Hill brought to the offense and and what type of player he was. Like we knew all about it, but the Chiefs still even with that knew like, man, he's too much. Like we don't need to spend that much. We don't need to spend thirty million dollars a year on a receiver, right? And so I I would not be surprised to see DeAndre Hopkins get close to that type of money on on the market if he were to resign somewhere, you know. And so that being said, he also just his style of play, you know, it could work for the Chiefs, no doubt about it. But again, his just vertical threat over the top. You know, go up and high point the ball isn't exactly like the most effective. I'm not sure his talents would be the most, you know, conducive to the Chiefs' style of play. It's like the Chiefs don't necessarily need that type of player. 
just based on the way Andy Reid gets guys open and Mahomes, the way that he throws guys open. You know, it, it isn't that your Kirk Cousins like, oh, Justin Jefferson, he's down there somewhere. It, it's not that type of thing. And so, again, DeAndre Hopkins, yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be it'd be exciting to see him play for the Chiefs at the right price. But, again, this is not one of those, like, the Chiefs, they need, they need to break the bank and go get him. I don't see it like that. Okay. So, those are five off-season moves that I'd like to see the Chiefs make, you know. And I think kind of just summering some. Ooh, summarizing that's it summarizing all of those you know the way i'm looking at the the cap space the you know the the salary cap for the chiefs i you know all the talk all year long was the chiefs have all these rookies all these young guys still on their rookie contracts and the benefit of doing that is that you you get a lot more cap space you you have all these guys on rookie deals you're going to have a lot more room to spend money and so the Chiefs find themselves in this good spot of being able to spend more money this offseason, okay? And so I, I just, I want to be careful that we don't, you know, I, again, I've mentioned a few guys here that I think it's okay if we overpay a little bit. And I think all that is to say, like, man, we, we want to take advantage of the, the good situation we're in where we have all the cap space. Like, why don't we use it? Like, let's let's make the team better in areas that needs to be better. Right, and I think receiver is number one on that list for, for me personally. I think edge rusher, one more, one more solid young edge rusher is also high on that list. Um, but in terms of like where the Chiefs should be spending money, you know, if the Chiefs have all these rookies, all these rookie contracts, and they have the money to spend, you got to spend it on something in order to for that side of the bargain, like you know, for that whole benefit to pay off. Right? Does that make sense? As in like. The whole point of having all the rookies and the, the young guys and the rookies and having the cap space is so you can spend that money. And so I'm like, man, we have the money, so let's let's spend it. Yeah, and and, and make a splash somewhere, whether that is a receiver or a, a really good edge rusher, somewhere else, you know, whatever it may be. I'm like, you've you've worked and drafted so well to to get to a point you can do that. So let's take advantage of the opportunity we have. And so I just I would, you know, I don't, you know, Brett Veach. General manager of the Chiefs, if you're listening to this, if you're listening to me right now, I'd say go for it. Don't don't be too shy. You know, make it happen. And you know, so th- that's where I'm at. I'm like, you you've got the money, so so use that. You use the the benefit you've given yourself by having these rookie contracts. Make it make it work for yourself by now cashing in and spending the money that you've saved, right? Because that's what it's for. Like that's how that's what you, you that side of the free agent market is used to be able to build up the contract or build up your team to be better with better players right this is this is a crazy concept that i've learned recently and i'm figuring out but when you have better players on your team your team usually does better again i that's groundbreaking i know you may have not heard that anywhere before but i am committed here on this podcast to bringing you expert objective analysis and that's what that is if you have better players on the team the team's going to be better, okay? And so I would highly encourage Brett Veach and company to make that happen because I would love to see the Chiefs win back-to-back, to-back-to-back-to-back, to back, to back, to back, you know? But, hey, one step at a time, right? So that is your Chiefs talk for the day. And from here, I'm going to move on to my MLB predictions, okay? I'm going to give you across the six divisions in the MLB what teams I think are going to win each division. Okay, we're going to start in the American League, the better league. We're going to start there in the American League East. Okay? I like the Yankees to win this one again. They again are they just have so much money to spend. This is a very different game than the NFL of the bigger your market, the more money you have to spend, the more money you have to to bring in good players and the Yankees have that. You know, they on top of a team that was already loaded last year, they added a really good um pitcher in Carlos Rodon to what was already a really good rotation. Um they locked up Aaron Judge long term and they made a few other signings that are I think gonna make them potentially have the best record in baseball. They're gonna be up there as one of the best teams, you know. I think Toronto is a, another really good team. I they you know, they added some good pieces the last within the last few years and I see them as Another really a real contender, honestly. I don't think they're going to quite keep up with the Yankees, but I, I like the the Blue Jays as a real wild card contender as well um, from the AL East. 
Okay, and then from the AL Central, I like. I mean, I think the Guardians and the and the Twins are going to kind of go back and forth. I think the Guardians again, their pitching is very strong. They you know, just they're very well balanced all the way around. And on, on the Twins side, you know, the, the addition of Carlos Correa is a big one. I'm not sure he is quite the the incredible all star he's always made out to be. That's not to say he's not a good player. I think he is. Um, that is a very good addition for the team. But I still don't think it's quite enough to get over the hump of getting past Cleveland. Okay. And then while we're on the AL Central, I have to mention uh, my Royals. I don't have super high expectations for the Royals again this year. I'll be honest. Uh, they have exciting pieces, exciting young players. Don't get me wrong. Bobby Witt Jr. could very well have an MVP type of year. Not this year. Maybe in two or three seasons from now, once he settles in a little bit more. He has MVP potential, you know. But... It's just it's not this year. This not it, we're not there yet. They're still part of a rebuild, which typically those go twenty nine to thirty years at a time for the Royals, and they're in year eight of that rebuild. So they're getting there, um, but it's not quite there yet. I think they could surprise some people and finish close to five hundred, um, but I think that's kind of the ceiling for the Royals is right around five hundred. I don't see a whole lot on top of that, but that's the AL Central, and then for the AL West, you know. They, I just hate to say it, but I think the Astros are going to win it again. It's kind of the, the Chiefs dynamic at this point. Like, until someone else proves it, that they can do it, why, I mean, why would the Astros not win it again? You know, they lost Justin Verlander, which is, which, which hurts, but they also added Jose Abreu, you know, so they already, lo they loaded up more on what was already a really good, strong lineup. And I, so again, I, I like the Astros to win the West. I think the Mariners are not too far behind. You know, they're they're very solid and they've got some very good young talent, but they're just not quite there. And yeah, I think the Rangers are. They've got some very good pitching. Or you know, they added Jacob Degrom, which is huge, but I still don't think the rest of the team's quite there. Not quite complete enough. And then I'd also got to say this about the Angels. It's kind of crazy. You have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. I mean, two arguably of the top five best players in baseball. And they haven't been to the playoffs, and I believe it's been eight years, which is insane. Which goes to show how baseball, I believe, more than any other sport, is a team sport. You know, like yeah, you're on a team, but the things you're doing are individual. It's only one batter versus one pitcher. You know, you can't rely on if you're not a good hitter. There's no one else you can rely on to make you a better hitter. It's you're good or you're not. You know, it, you, it's not like you can. It's not the again the Kirk Cousins Justin Jefferson dynamic of oh Justin Jefferson will bail me out you know no one's gonna bail you out if you're not a good player or you're not a good hitter so had to throw that in there about the 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 Angels it's just kind of weird so that's the AL West all right moving on to the National League let's start with the NL East um, the New York Mets have just absolutely cashed out spent so much money um, in this past offseason and they have signed quite a few big names um they went and got justin verlander jose quintana david robertson tommy fan i mean lots of additions to what's already a pretty big line i mean a good line they did lose to grom which is not good you know but you you kind of replace that with verlander and you know it's just with that type of money that you spend it's it's i want to say that i feel like the mets are going to win I, I do i'm going to give them the slight edge over the braves i think the the braves are you know, they have a lot of good talent, a lot of good young talent, um, fun players to watch, but I still, I don't know. I don't typically side with a team that spent so much money, but I'm going, I just, my gut's telling me the Mets are, you know, they had a good run late last year, um, and, or maybe I'm thinking of the year before. There was a time recently, they made a really big push at the end of the year, and I think it's it's going to help give them momentum. In this year, and I like them to win the NL East. But the the Braves are also not far behind as a team I, I like to be a wild card threat as well. Okay, in the NL Central, all right, this is a a division we've seen. There's it's usually very up in the air. Uh, it's usually one of the better divisions in the league. And Cardinals and Brewers seem to always be in the mix. Um, and I think again, those are your two teams that are going to be right there at the end. Um, and just being as the guy from Kansas City, I just have to take the Brewers. It's it's not so much of a, a head pick here as it is a heart pick, as it's just kind of hard for me to root for the Cardinals. 
And so I'm going to take the Brewers. Now, that's a, they're still a very talented team. You know, they've got a lot of good young talent as well and some really good pitching. And the Cardinals are probably just as well-rounded, at least offensively, um, with a good another good rotation. They, they do got some good pieces in the rotation, too. It's kind of hard to tell. This is this one's really up in the air. I would not be surprised either way if you sold me. The, either one of these teams were to win the division. It wouldn't surprise me. And, again, the team that doesn't win the division will also be a team I look at and, and say they are for sure going to be a contender in the wild card as well. So there is the NL Central. And then last but not least is the NL West. And I – man, this one's tough as well because the Dodgers seem to be very good every year. They are consistently you know, winning the NL West and contending. They're – close to winning if not in the world series you know almost every year now they've lost some key pieces this year which leaves some question marks like trey turner justin justin turner cody bellinger all gone um hard to know for sure what the team's going to look like you know they they've added some pieces back for sure some but you just never know when you when you make that many moves all at once and you lose guys like that it's hard to know. I still think they're going to be very good. Definitely wild card potential. Um, even potential still to win the division. But I think the Padres are potentially the best team in baseball. They, I mean, really just loaded. Obviously led by Fernando Tatis, just the the rising star in, in the MLB. Uh, quick, quite quickly turning into the face of the MLB, which it's interesting. Mike Trout is still the undisputed best player in the MLB, and it's really not close. But Fernando Tatis, just the exciting way he plays the game, um, you know, combined with his raw talent, is is turning into the face of the league. Um, pair that with all the other talent they've got on the team, and with a solid rotation that if they can avoid injury, you know, they can stay healthy. I think the Padres run away with the NL West and have a very real shot to win the World Series. Uh, maybe a front runner to win it if they again if they can stay healthy. So, yeah, there you have it. We have the Yankees, Guardians, Astros, Mets, Brewers, and Padres as your 2023 divisional winners. Okay, so come October when the playoffs start, feel free to come back to this date, March 1st, and we'll we'll go over how right I was. But based on where we're sitting right now, and based on the way I feel like it's going to go, that's that's what I see happening over the next you know, six, seven months. How, how many months is that till October? Seven months. So there you go. And that will wrap up the, essentially for the most part, the sports talk for the day. Um, a few other things I do want to mention, you know, I'm sure most of you have been waiting all episode for me to finally get to the thing I've been wrapped up in recently that I've been very much involved in that I wanted to give my recommendation for is a video game called Hogwarts Legacy. Guys, I tell you what, this this if you if you play video game if you like video games at all and you have interest in the Wizarding World created by JK Rowling, it's a must play. It it really is a must. It is so much fun. <laughs> I've been playing a lot recently. I mean, the the gameplay is it's just smooth like the combat, it just feels good. It feels natural, it feels smooth. Um, it's manageable, but also, you know, entertaining. It keeps you on your feet, um, up tempo. And there's also the the XP or collection system is just so rewarding and very. It's borderline addicting, <laughs> you know, of just all the different things you can collect in, in an open world game like this one, where you 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 can you can go all around Hogwarts and you can spend hours just roaming Hogwarts and finding new things. Um, but Hogwarts is really just a fraction of what's even available there. You can go up to Hogsmeade and it's the same thing, but then you have all the surrounding area, just the trees and the mountains and the lakes and the rivers, and it's just like a, really, the, the graphics are just beautiful. It's just this open world. It makes you feel like you're really there. And, you know, it's just been so fun. It feels like you're really a part of the world. It's just so fun. And then lastly, you, you get a broom and you get to fly around on it. I mean... If that's not enough, I don't know. I don't know what else to sell you on. It's just like get on the broom and flying around from one location to the other. 
it's just so fun and you just get to see the the world the wizarding world it's just yeah i really enjoyed it and when i hop off this right when i wrap this up i'm gonna go play some more because it's my day off <laughs> um, and i yeah like i said i've been really enjoying it and so again it's normally i would just be recommending sports games because that's usually what i play but man this game is fun 10 out of 10 would recommend um, if you've been playing it recently and you want to talk about it, hit me up because I would love to to see what your, you know, your gameplay, your collection looks like. So, yeah, that is all for that recommendation. And then, last but not least, we're gonna wrap it up with the office quote of the week, per usual. All right. So this one coming from Michael Scott, you may have heard of him, and the quote is: "There are many reasons a man would wear a fake mustache to work. He's a fan of the outrageous." He loves to surprise. He loves other things as well. And I say that because today, being March 1st, is the first day in Mustache March. Which, that's right. It is Mustache March. And I kind of began the process over the last week or two. And shaved it to last night. So where now I've got myself a good mustache. And I'm ready to rock this month. It's going to be a great month um, with a great stash. And so thank you, Michael for the inspiration on why somebody would have a mustache or why they would wear a fake mustache to work. So that is going to do it for episode eight. All right. Once again, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed. And as always, feel free to reach out if you've got any other ideas of things you'd like to hear me talk about. I've got some other things in in the works right now that I'm still kind of learning about and researching to you know, kind of be able to talk to some different audiences too, you know, and expand the horizons a little bit. But um, yeah, let me know if there's something else that you'd like to hear about. And yeah, you guys are awesome. And I will see you next time. Go Chiefs.